If you got a Bible, take it out. Uh, if you don't, there should be one in the chair in front of you or on your phone, right? Everybody's got one. Uh, we are in the book of Joshua. That's the sixth book then, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And we are in the eighth chapter of that book uh, this morning. Uh, probably one of the most, one of the most common uh, hashtags that's used on social media all over the place is, is this one, right? Hashtag blessed, right? You've used it. Just, it's okay. It's not a bad thing. You could admit that you've used it a few times. It's, uh, and it's usually used in reference to like something good that's, that's happened to you or, or something uh, cool that you've got, right? Oh, like, like, oh, I f- found a great spot at the uh, parking spot at the mall. Hashtag blessed, right? Yay. <clears throat> Um, so thankful for my wife, hashtag blessed. I, I use that one every week. Um, so grateful for this new chihuahua God gave me, hashtag blessed. So grateful that I graduated, hashtag blessed. So, I mean, all, all kinds of different things. But you, you rarely see somebody doing the like, oh, I'm so grateful for how these last four hours waiting in line at the DMV have taught me perseverance, hashtag blessed. You don't see that as often. Usually, usually it's about some like lucky thing that's, that's happened. And, and again, I don't, I don't think that's bad. I don't think it's wrong uh, to use that hashtag. Uh, but a lot of times when we use it or when we see it used, it's kind of got a one-sided dimension to it. Uh, it seems like, like actually blessed, like, like living an actual blessed, a fully blessed life is, is deeper than just like having some cool things happen to you on occasion, right? It's, it seems like it should be more than just like, oh, I won the relationship lottery or I ate a really good BLT. Seems like there should be more to a blessed life than those things. And I went hunting for a good definition for blessed. And, and I found one. It was in my, like, this keyword study Bible that I have that's, that's really cool. Uh, and the Greek word for blessed in it, it defines as a blessed person is one whom God makes fully satisfied. Okay, now right there, that's already an awesome definition. A blessed person is one whom God makes fully satisfied. Not because of favorable circumstances, like a good parking spot or a chihuahua, but because he indwells the believer through Christ. And then, and then later on it goes on to say again, his satisfaction comes from God and not from favorable circumstances. I like that definition. I think that definition is a good one. A blessed person is someone whom God makes fully, fully satisfied. Oh, that sounds awesome. I don't know about you, but I'd like that. I, I want that kind of blessed life. I want to be fully satisfied. I, I want that kind of satisfaction that comes not just from favorable circumstances in my life. Like, and, and unlike, unlike most social media hashtags, it's, it's usually about those kinds of things. And usually we're just, we're often content with the, the favorable circumstances. If something good is happening right now, that's, that's good enough. But that kind of blessing is it's just so temporary. It's so fleeting. It's not full. And so, so what does it mean? What does it mean to be fully satisfied, to be truly blessed? And again, is, is it wrong for me to feel blessed when God gives me something good? No, I don't, I don't think it is, but 
But sometimes yeah, when we use that, that hashtag blessed, it's, it's just because of the favorable circumstance that we find ourselves in right now. And it makes it kind of seem like our joy and our contentment is found in those things. It's found in our spouse or in our kids or in our job or in our puppy. And, and it fails to see that even, even in the, the circumstances that are less than favorable, we're still blessed by God. Because the obstacles in front of us and the setbacks in life and the hours spent waiting in line at the DMV and the times God tells us no and the closed doors and the seemingly insurmountable obstacles, those are all still blessings from God. problem is, it doesn't feel like it, right? When we're in the middle of it or when we see that obstacle up ahead. It's easier to see how it was a blessing when it's over and we're on the other side of it. But there should be, there should be in us this, this deep, deep trust in God, right? This, this confidence in His power and in His plan and in His sovereign rule of our lives. This absolute dependence that we have on Him that makes us fully satisfied no matter what the circumstances in life might be. We can be, we can be content. We can be satisfied in all things at all times because we know that God is with us and God is in us and God is for us. Paul had that, right? In, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I know what favorable circumstances are like and I know what not so favorable circumstances are like. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And he says, I can do everything through Him, Christ, who gives me strength. I can handle any circumstance, any situation through Christ who gives me strength. And it's, it's that kind of total dependence on God that I think leads to a blessed life. It's, it's that kind of total dependence on God that leads Jesus to say things like, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who, who are persecuted. Because, because in all of those things, God's doing something. God's working through your life and, and in you. And, and you're blessed, even though sometimes it might not feel like it. So, so the question is, how do we do that? Like, how do we get to that kind of life? How do we have a life where we are blessed in any and every circumstance, where it, it's not just the favorable times that we're able to hashtag blessed on social media? How, how do we get there? How, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight a lot of times, and it doesn't happen without us drawing closer to God. And this, this interesting passage that we're going to look at here in the book of Joshua helps us understand what it means to live a blessed life a little bit better. And this whole section here is all about blessings and cursings. Uh, let's read it again. If you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 8, starting in verse 30. Uh, just, just for a quick review, if you uh, weren't here the last few weeks as we've been studying through this Bible, uh, God told the people, uh, I'm going to give you this promised land. Get ready. Go take it. Uh, 
Moses has led them through the wandering in the desert, and they're right there at the doorstep. Moses hands the leadership baton off to Joshua. Joshua is now in charge. The first obstacle is getting across the Jordan. God stops the flow of the river and all the people walk through in this awesome miracle. And then on the other side, they march around Jericho and the walls come down and they take the city and it's awesome. And, and then there's this little setback, right? Because a dude took some stuff that he wasn't supposed to take and that screwed everything up. And, and then they got that fixed. And in chapter 8, the first part of chapter 8, they go in and, and they, they take the city of, of Ai and and then after that, there's some stuff that, that they need to do. So let, let's look at it. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, in Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the sons of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no man had wielded an iron tool. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. He wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. All Israel with their elders and officers and judges were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as the native. Half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim, Half of them stood in front of Mount Ebal, just as the servant of uh, Moses, the servant uh, of the Lord, had given command at first to bless the people of Israel. Then afterwards, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There is not a word of all that Moses has commanded, but which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. Okay, so, so here in this passage, Joshua is following through on a command that Moses gave him on the other side of the Jordan before they even entered the promised land. And, and, and I think to, to fully understand uh, what's happening here, we need to be reading what Joshua was reading. And so if you can flip back in your Bible just a couple of pages to Deuteronomy, which is the book right before, right? Deuteronomy chapter 27. Even though Moses never entered the promised land himself, he knew a little bit about the geography. He, he knew about this place at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. It's a place where, where these two smaller hills uh, come together. I, I think I've got a picture of it. There you go. And it, and it kind of makes like a natural amphitheater. It, it's just sort of, it looks kind of like a, I don't know, a rear end, maybe a little bit. I don't know why you'd build a city right there. But anyway, right there in the middle, you can hear really well. If you're standing on one side, you can hear what the people on the other side are saying. And if you're standing on the other side, you can hear. So it's this, it's this cool uh, acoustical uh, feature. And so uh, Moses says, okay, I want, I want half the tribes over on Mount Gerizim. Right? You guys are, you guys are the blessing. Over there on that side. And then I want the other half of the tribes over on Mount Ebal. You guys, you're the cursing. Sorry. And then the priests are going to read off all of these different curses and everybody's going to shout, Amen. 
And there, there must have been some kind of significance to doing things uh, this way. Like, like they do, they do like an audience participation object lesson. And hey, jo- uh, Moses could have just told Joshua, hey, listen, when you get over there, just read this stuff to them. Just read it to them. Make sure they, they understand it. But he doesn't. He wants the people in, engaged, involved in some way. So let's, let's try that this morning. All right. Let's do some audience participation. Right. Th- this side of the room is Mount Ebal, right? Is that what I said? Or are you Garrison? You're the blessing. Yeah, you're the good. And then you guys are evil. You're the cursing side of the room. <laughs> Sorry. You're looking over there. Yeah, that's probably. <clears throat> so all, everybody, though, both, both sides, everybody for the first part uh, shouts out amen. So, so Joshua would read this like, hey, if you do this, you're going to be cursed. And everybody would shout uh, amen. So, so let's uh, try that together. And, and if you, if you want to follow along, uh, this is right out of Deuteronomy 27, starting at like verse 15. Joshua standing here in the promised land, right, right there with the, the tribes on either side, Reads this out. Cursed is the man who carves an image or casts an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of the craftsman's hands, and sets it up in secret. Then all the people said, Amen. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father and his mother. And all the people said, Amen. Cursed is the man who moves his neighbor's boundary stone. Why would you do that? Don't, don't do that. And all the people said, Cursed is the man who leads the blind astray on the road. That's just mean. Like, all the people said, Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien or the fatherless or the widow. And all the people said, And then, then there's this list of all these like sexual sins. Cursed is the man who does any of these number of different sexual sins. And all the people said, Uh, Cursed is the man who kills his neighbor secretly. All the people said? Cursed is the man who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. And all the people said? Cursed is the man who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. And all the people said? Right. And then, after that, after, after that, uh, Joshua turns to Mount, to Mount Gerizim, right? The, the Mount of Blessings. And he reads uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts and the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed you'll be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and flee before you in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you uh, on your barns and on all that you put your hand to. And He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself as He swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in all His ways so all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. 
Oh, man, what an awesome blessing. Yes, amen, that sounds, that sounds great. Then Joshua turns the other way to the Mount of Cursing, to Ebal. Starting in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, he says, but, but it shall come about that if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe, to do all His commandments and His statutes with which I charge you today, all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed you'll be in the country. Cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Uh, Cursed will be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send upon you curses and confusion and rebuke in all you undertake to do until you're destroyed, until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you've forsaken me. And then, and then you keep reading. It doesn't end there. There's a lot more. A, like, the, like the curse side seems to me like it's longer than the blessing side. And oddly specific. It's almost like God knows what they're going to do later on. It's almost like he knows the future. It's weird. It says that Joshua read all of it, though. Every, every word of it. With everyone standing there. Like the women and the kids and and. and and the strangers who lived with them, like, like Rahab, who had come out of uh, Jericho and her everybody sat there while Joshua read these things. And then, and then the words of Moses, they, they conclude in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Starting in verse 15. Here's how Joshua ends this object lesson. He says, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity, over here, and death, and adversity. And that I, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you'll not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You'll not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Oh man, choose life. Choose blessing. Choose the way of of prosperity instead of the way of adversity. Really, at the heart of this elaborate object lesson is this idea that that the blessed person is the one who finds their full satisfaction in God. If you're going to try and find your satisfaction in anything else, if you're going to uh, look for satisfaction in uh, in other gods or in idols or, or in or in any of these sexual sins or in, in, in anything else in this life, you're going to be disappointed. You're not going to be blessed. You're going to be cursed. But if you trust God, 
If you, if you trust him and if you cling to him, if you listen to him, if you love him, if you follow him, if you find your satisfaction in him, then you will be fully satisfied every single day of your life. Always. So, so this brings us back to our original question. How? How do you do that? How do you, how do you live that kind of blessed life? How do we take hold of all of those blessings? What does it mean to choose life how do, how do we start moving more and more in, in that direction? And in Joshua chapter 8, there's two things that he does. They're not that complicated. Two things that he does to make sure that he's setting himself and the people up to live a blessed life. The first thing he does right off the bat is he makes sure that they're all right with God. The first thing we got to do if we want to live a blessed life is get right with God. He, uh, Joshua, he makes an altar. He sacrifices uh, the burnt offering and the peace offering for the people. And we, and we talked a little bit about what that means uh, last week. But this was the method that God had given them in the Old Testament to atone for sin. It, and, it, and it had all of this symbolic meaning in it. It was in part a confession of their sin and their guilt. Uh, it was an understanding that the animal that was being sacrificed w- was, was paying for their sin. Like its, its death was taking the punishment that, that they should have that because of our sin. And it was a way of, of gaining forgiveness. Those sacrifices, though, they were, they were limited in their effectiveness. They had to be repeated over and over and over again. And really, they were just an object lesson themselves. It was, it was an object lesson that was designed to teach the people about the nature of substitutionary atonement. So that when Jesus Christ came, the ultimate sacrifice, we would, we would understand what His death and resurrection meant. In Hebrews, it teaches us a, a little bit about that. It helps to, that, that book of Hebrews in the New Testament bridges that gap between Old Testament and New Testament. Here's what it says. It says, by this well, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, never fully get the job done. But He, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Because His sacrifice was all that was needed. So, for us, blessing from God, a fully satisfied life, begins with us getting right with God. It starts with taking hold of this perfect sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. Through faith in Him, we are, we are forgiven, we are adopted, we are changed and transformed. We are now safe and secure under the protective hand of a mighty, powerful God. We have an eternal hope that can never, ever be shaken. Uh, No no one's ever going to snatch us out of God's hands. No one's ever going to be able to cross our name out of the book of life. We are secure in Him. 